Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Head in the clouds, exploring weather and why. And now, here's your host, the man who knows that behind every cloud is another cloud. Meteorologist Andrew Stutsky. Welcome to a brand new episode of Head in the Clouds, where we discuss everything weather and how it will impact you. And this week, I have a very special guest that's joining James Zahara and myself to talk about a very important topic uh, that, unfortunately, we're all too familiar with, uh, especially after last year's record flooding, uh, the record-breaking flood of 2019. It gives us a reminder kind of how powerful uh, the force of water can really be. Uh, We had a lot of homes and businesses that were devastated, uh, breaking through flood barrier protection, lasting for several weeks. And the flood itself kind of showed us uh, just how vulnerable our area is to that extreme type of weather event. So joining me this week is Jessica Brooks. She's a hydrologist with the National Weather Service in the Quad Cities, works with everything that has to do with water in our region. If it's a river, stream, creek, any of those, she works with it and she's on top of that data Uh, With the increased risk for flooding this upcoming spring, this is the perfect time to get uh, her insight, as well as to what factors and possible consequences we're looking at in the months ahead. So Jessica, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. You betcha. Uh, I wish we could be meeting, you know, under some better news and some better circumstances. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But it looks like, again, we're going to have an interesting spring, perhaps even going into summer, uh, when it comes to river flooding uh, again this year. Uh, But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about what you do in your role at the National Weather Service? Sure. As Andrew kind of said, I deal with anything water. Uh, So any forecasting of any rivers flooding or any just river levels, uh, flash flooding, heavy rainfall. Uh, We get into the drought aspect, so lack of rainfall, lack of water. Um, So that's something I deal with every day. Um, I also... Uh, look at our database, keeping our database up to date with any any water um, type information we have. Um, I work with training our staff on weather related information uh, to keep them up to date with their knowledge of of forecasting flooding. Um, Yeah, pretty much anything that deals with water. (laughs) How did you become interested in being a hydrologist? I mean, you got your degree in science and there's so many, I mean, especially when it comes to weather itself, what, what just got you interested in hydrology? Sure. So I have my bachelor's degree in meteorology. So okay. I started off doing weather forecasting uh, with the Weather Service. Uh, my first job out of uh, college was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, that area is a very hydrologically active area. Um, I was there from 2006 to 2011, and in that time span, we had uh, 2007, 2008, and 2010 were very massive uh, flood years up in that area. So uh, in those three years, I think almost every forecast point we forecasted for uh, on area rivers reached record levels. Wow. Mm -hmm. So 
we just dealt with a lot of flooding. And I guess that is really what kind of piqued my interest um, and kept it uh, in that as, as I got to see how challenging it is to forecast river levels. And there's a lot that goes into it and it's not straightforward. What, what do you means. say that you think, it, what do you think is, is more difficult, forecasting when it comes to meteorology or forecasting when it comes to river level streams, creeks, things like that? I think the rivers are more difficult because you first have to get the the meteorology right before yes. you can get yeah. the river levels right so um you're really forecasting on a forecast a lot of times so that makes it, it more difficult i think so um but yeah just going through those events where i got to see you know the challenge of it uh, the impacts that uh, flooding makes as you're seeing entire towns going underwater and and uh, thinking what can i do to do a better job to uh, inform these people. I mean, our mission is to protect lives and property at the National mm -hmm. Water Service. So mm -hmm. um, just seeing the scope that flooding can do for impact-wise is, is something that it just really called to me to, to kind of keep going in that. Just, in that just, just real quick, though, like, what do you think when we're talking about, you know, the years of flooding going back to 2006 and even farther that, back to 1993? The technology really has, would you say, improved as far as the forecasting, would you say? And certainly with the, um, you know, getting together with the other hydrologists, uh, especially around the upper Mississippi Valley, would you say? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, we're doing more things now every year or, or trying new things. There's new research being done. Um, there's now being some, some other models that are getting uh, incorporated, not that they're um, being used at this right. point yet, but um, they're being developed, and I think that's a good step forward. Um, I have to say that the hydrologic forecasting is is behind the meteorological meteorological forecasting aspect. It it just lags a few years behind there. So, um, but but we have improved, and and a lot of it is just talking to people, talking to other partners, talking to the local. Uh, people that live out on the rivers and getting their knowledge about what has happened in the past. It, it's amazing uh, working this job, how much those folks that live on the river, they know when a river is going to go up a certain level. And there's been times when we issue a forecast and they say, no, nah, I don't think you're quite right. And a lot of times they, they have it. Um, they, they just, they understand the, the land mm -hmm. and, how that works and so we uh, take it upon ourselves to to talk with them more and, and get their um, their thoughts get their observations on what's happening um, and and can incorporate that stuff into our forecasts very good and uh, you know flooding already we're in the middle of January right now and that's yes. probably the last thing that people are thinking about we're in the heart of winter we're talking about snow and ice but the, the risk for the upcoming spring, it's there, um, and it's certainly elevated from what you've been saying in, in some of the forecast discussions we've been reading. What are some of the ingredients that we have in place right now that are kind of worth watching in the next several weeks ahead of us here? Yeah, so the, the main uh, factor that we've been looking at is uh, the ground saturation levels. Uh, and this goes back to the flooding we experienced in October and early November. Uh, we had a lot of rain. Uh, in those months, uh, probably one of the wetter falls we've ever had in this part of the country. And so going into to winter and spring, we have a lot of moisture and a lot of, of 
of just rain that got stuck in the ground and it, it's not it hasn't been frozen into the ground because we don't have frozen ground uh really across the area right now but it's the time of the year that you're not getting evaporation out of the ground so uh, so that water just kind of got locked into the ground and stayed saturated. You can really tell by just the fact that the rivers and the creeks are actually a little bit swollen. Correct, yes. You know, that's something we haven't seen in quite a while, which I can see where the concern comes in going into the spring. Yeah, and so the river levels, that's kind of the second uh, factor that we've been kind of concerned with uh, going through the late fall into winter months is the high river levels. As your river levels are high, that's less room you have for more runoff of, of any rainfall or any snow melt uh, running off um, into the rivers. So, uh, you know, you have your bucket half full already. You only have uh, half a bucket left to, to fill to get it to those um, high levels where you're going to reach floods. So, uh, so those are the two factors that we're really uh, concerned with and we've been looking at over the last few months and, and those are, are kind of factors that really haven't changed much in the last few few months. Is there anything that's giving you a sense of deja vu in that oh my gosh we <laughs> saw this exact same thing this time last year and here it is again this year? Yes, <laughs> in fact, there's a lot of that. Um, the wet soils which we had last in coming out of 2018 mm -hmm. we had uh, wet soils too. Uh, the difference which uh, coming from last year to this year though is uh, is it's a little wetter this year than it was last year that the aerial extent of the saturated ground is much larger this year than it was last year so uh, while I'm thinking oh it, it seems very similar to last year it's a little more heightened I guess is the concern on the high river levels um, and, but the other thing that kind of is uh, very similar is last year we had a fairly mild early winter. Right, um, yes. It right. was mild. We didn't have much uh, precipitation in the early parts of the winter. Uh, we went through the end of January thinking, hey, we might make it out of this uh, scot-free. <laughs> uh, and uh, that cold late, came right late January, in. the cold came in, and, and man, it, it looks very similar coming into the next few weeks right. even warm it looks like we're going to get really cold here for the next couple weeks and while there's not a huge uh, signal for a lot of precipitation here um, week two and beyond um, that could change and if we get into a busy pattern again we could easily build some snowpack right um, that that's a big more concerns i'm going to say that's kind of the big million dollar question is after this cold you know does it you know course temperatures do they begin to moderate what about you know the activity um you know there have been some signs that uh, it could get fairly active again going into february just signs but that's certainly the le the, the worst that's the last thing you want to hear about is right. having an active pattern going into into february and uh, into early march yeah it, it, that's absolutely correct um right now we have if you compare today compared to uh, this time last year, we actually have more snow on the ground right. um, in the northern parts of the Mississippi Basin, um, but not a lot more. It's it's right around normal, what you would normally see. Um, but with the the soil conditions as they are, even a normal snowpack is likely going to cause flooding. Is it going right. to be extreme flooding? That's a big question on how fast the snow melts. But 
um, at least minor flooding would be a higher probability. You know, you were addressing to the upper Mississippi Valley, you know, there's another area, I've been here for so many years, um, you guys always, always focus on the southwestern Minnesota basin. Um, that seems to play a big role as far as what goes on on the Mississippi. It does. Uh, last year, for example, the our second crest last year right. came from a big uh, snowstorm that dropped a lot of snow in the Minnesota River yes. uh, watershed. Um, so that, that was a big player in that. But um, not only there, but uh, the Mississippi watershed extends into parts of central, uh, central, almost northern Minnesota up mm -hmm. to northern Wisconsin. So there's a lot of area that we get water from that people might not realize that we're looking uh, that far north to see what our river levels here are going to do. Even the Rock River locally, uh, water comes from southern Wisconsin. Um, so, so that is an area that we're looking at uh, constantly trying to figure out, you know, what river levels are going to do. It's not just local. Right. So is that one part? Is, it's everywhere upstream pretty pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had uh, instances over the years I've been here where, you know, the, the rain might fall well to the north and, and people are wondering why their river's flooding. And because it's, it's the rain that fell in the northern parts or the upper parts of their watershed that's causing their flooding even though they may have not had a drop of rain in, in weeks, per se. But mm -hmm. um, that's an education factor. That's something we, we're trying to kind of explain, do a little better job of explaining uh, to people why things are happening. Um, and, and maybe that, that will help uh, people to kind of know that might be something they should watch for if they need to do some preparations, um, for instance, for you know flooding of their homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I remember last year um, when we were talking about some of the heavy rainfall potential, I specifically made a map that had not only the Mississippi River, but all of the tributary rivers right. that feed into mm -hmm. it. And I think it really helped kind of solidify in our minds just how big of a collection pan there is. You know, we just have the one Mississippi River, of course, but there are so many little feeders that go into that, that you get a whole bunch of rain, even in just a small corridor, and that can really add up really quickly. It does, and, and uh, not only that it's coming from all these little rivers and some bigger rivers, mm -hmm. uh, but the timing is a really uh, crucial part, too, uh, as if you get uh, a crest coming through, say, the, the Rock River uh, at one day, um, and then a crest from the Wapspinkin River coming uh, a week later, if they're not timed at the same time, you might not have as high river levels on the Mississippi as you would if they all say come in at the same time, mm -hmm. which is kind of what happened last year when we had our, our record here um, in the Quad Cities, was we had high levels on the Rock, high river levels on the Wapspinkin, and a crest coming down the Mississippi at the same time, yeah. and had some heavy rain in the area at the same time, so it, it was kind of the um, everything coming together at the same time, which really caused that peak. And then why we didn't really see uh, record levels on other parts uh, of the river. Are there certain times where you kind of take notes? Well, like in meteorology, we always talk about pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. I would assume that would be the same thing when it comes to river forecasting. When one river is getting a little higher than the other, <laughs> excuse me, and then you're talking about some uh, rain or snow up into our north. It really plays a big role as far as which one's going to crest faster or slower than the other, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we have uh, 
in our models, we, we keep uh, the, the observations of mm -hmm. how things have happened in the past, and we'll go back and look at older events and see how that how that worked out. Can compare if we think that say this event looks similar to a previous event. Let's go back and look at how the the levels uh, happened. How did the river react to to certain instances? Um, so so yeah, we're we're constantly trying to learn. Uh, how how the river's behaving mm -hmm. um is there one river that's like always seems to be sensitive than another or you just can't kind of scratch on, your head on <laughs> depending on certain situations yeah there, there's some that are um, more sensitive to certain things than others and and you kind of do get to figure out what those sensitivities are um and some we still haven't figured out <laughs> sure sure <laughs> um but a, a good example, too, is uh, last year in May, when we were so wet, the ground was so wet because we just, it just rained and rained and rained and rained, um, we were seeing responses on the Mississippi River that you would never imagine to see on a river of that size, where um, maybe we would get a half inch of rain and uh, the Mississippi River rose a foot. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and that's yeah. not typical. Um, and so that was something that, you know, during... The event, we started realizing, okay, our models might be holding uh, too much runoff back on land. We need to put more of that that water into the rivers right away uh, to try to get that forecast right. Are, are these models that you, you talk about, are they more of a, a micro-scale feature or a macro-scale? Meaning, like, when I talk about macro-scale, I'm talking about mainly around eastern Iowa and northwestern Illinois. Whereas a macro scale, you're talking about maybe the entire Midwest. Is there, is there any relationship to that? Or so our, our river forecast model is uh, the whole Upper Mississippi watershed. Okay. Um, so it it's working with all the small tributary rivers and how that water goes into the Mississippi, and it, it's the whole system as a whole is wow. how it's working. So it, it's pretty intricate. Um, we have. It's very human interactive. Um, sure. It's by far from an automated uh, result, what you see in the forecast. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to conditions kind of right here in the Quad Cities, what are we going to be watching kind of in the weeks ahead? What do we need to be looking out for? So right now for our local rivers, uh, I would have to say with today's conditions, we're actually looking all right. Uh, right now we don't have uh, frozen ground because it's been so mm -hmm. mild. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you have space in the soil to at least absorb a little bit of rainfall or if we get some snow to, to absorb some of that snow melt. Um, so with that, with cold air coming in, are we gonna freeze our ground? How, how much, how deep is the ground gonna freeze? Um, a, a very deep freeze in the ground uh, is more concerning because uh, it takes longer for that yeah. uh, that ground to thaw, um, and and the longer the ground is frozen, the more the longer your concerns are um, that that it's going to give a higher potential for for flooding, more runoff into your rivers. Uh, so that's something we should be watching here locally. Also, precipitation patterns. That's the other big thing. Um, if we stay fairly dry we're not going to get a lot of, uh, of inputs of mm -hmm. water into our local rivers. So um, the longer we can stay uh, drier and not get much precipitation, um, the better our, our 
options are for not getting uh, flooding this spring. Um, that being said, if we start seeing more rain, more snow, the more rain we get, you know, that's just keeping the soils uh, wet. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's rained, it's getting out of the system. Um, building a snowpack is what uh, is something that, that we really watch uh, because you, if you get a snowpack that uh, melts all at one time, you're getting a lot of, of runoff into yeah. the rivers at one time. Um, rather than gradually through the, throughout the, the winter months. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned, um, especially with last year, it just seemed like flooding went on and on and on. And in fact, when we had the HESCO barrier failure in downtown yeah. Davenport, that was one of the, the possible reasons was because it was such a long-term flood and just lasted, seemed like forever. Do you think we could kind of end up in that similar scenario again this year if we get the right conditions? Yeah, it's definitely a concern that I have. Um, really, until we are able to dry the soils out that are to our north, like so across Minnesota and Wisconsin, uh, that's going to be a concern until until that can happen. Because um, at, at this point, uh, we're looking at pretty much saturated ground uh, across almost the southern two-thirds of Minnesota, all of Wisconsin, which, as we said, that's where all of our yeah. water comes from. So there's a lot of area of ground that any precipitation, whether it be rainfall or snow melt, that's causing runoff into our rivers, uh, that that's going to just run right off. We're not going to get anything sticking in the ground. So uh, Really, that's going to be a high concern until we can see those soils dry out to more normal levels. Even today, do you still keep in touch with, uh, you know, City of Davenport Council there as far as, you know, hey, have you seen anything different? What's going on? Is there, you know, any type of uh, reaction that we should be taking now? Things like that. And not just Davenport, but the other cities as well. Sure. Well, we've been... Uh, talking about this spring uh, <laughs> since November, which is wow. uh, way earlier than we've ever started talking about spring flooding on an official capacity. Um, I mean, you might mention things here and there, like we did last year. I know people were talking in, this, in the fall, oh, is this going to happen? Like, well, things have to come together. And that's the same case as this year as well. Um, but because there's so much sensitivity to flooding because of last year. Now there's people that haven't completely cleaned up from last year yet. Mm -hmm. So um, so we decided this year, because we were getting a lot of questions, so let's start talking about this earlier. And and so we've been providing information, uh, again, about monthly since November, which goes to any partners um, that we have, whether it be emergency management, cities, uh, counties, um, state officials, anybody that is looking for information, we are uh, providing that. Uh, just kind of let them know what they should be ready for, what they should be watching, um, that maybe this is a year if they have some early preparations they want to get done, this might be the time to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so while you know, we may not have been like on the phone daily with a mm -hmm. lot of these folks, um, we have been in contact with, with a lot of them in some way, shape, or form. Is there anything that you personally took away from, from kind of being in the forecast realm of that historic flood that we had last year? I mean, that's a big thing. 
that's maybe a once in a lifetime thing for for many folks. I hope. <laughs> well, yeah. out of my mouth. Exactly. In '93, oh. we thought, okay, we don't have to wait till another 500 years. <laughs> right. Boom! It happened in two years or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, of, of course, uh, there's always things that come up that you think, what could we have done better? Um, you have to use it or take it as as a learning opportunity um, while you're going through it too. Uh, we looked for a lot of feedback from uh, partners, customers, the public, anyone that, that kind of had a thought on how everything went last year. And uh, we took that and, and have been trying to come up with some new ideas of, of ways we can do things better. Um, and probably, this is probably the most I've seen done right after uh, a big event. Um, in my career that that there's actually a lot of people that are, are working on things, taking action, trying to uh, do things to make make our products better, make our services better, um, to try to, to help people protect themselves mm -hmm. uh, from another flood. Uh, again, yeah, I hope I don't have to endure another one. <laughs> you know, that's why it's uh, kind of looking to this season. You've been very popular in the past uh, year, you know. It's, it's been something where, you know, I just hope that we can stay dry, but it, you know we're we're doing everything we can this year to try to be ready for it if it does happen again, um, and and that's the biggest thing that I think comes with these big events, these historical events, is is what you learn from them, and how you can uh, make things better, maybe e maybe ways to do things a little mm -hmm. easier. Um, it's kind of a live and learn. It really it, is. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like I mean. People are probably going to be asking, so when do we need to put the barriers up again? Or, you know, and will yeah. they hold? I bet you've been getting a lot of questions on, on that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, on a lot of things. <laughs> just more than just forecasting. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, and we try to do our best to provide the answers that people need to, to make those decisions, to, to know what they, they need to do. Or, uh, you know, a lot of, like, county governments, they need to know what they need to do to prepare what... Um, what resources they might need, what, uh, when, the timing, when they should really look at uh, getting things moving and their preparations and stuff. And that's that's our job is yeah. to kind of help them make those decisions. So, so yeah, well, I hope it doesn't happen again. It's one of those <laughs> things where, you know, uh, records are made to be broken. Right, right. We had, you know, it's... I know I'll have more uh, big events, and I got a long career left. <laughs> you know, so. uh, Andrew brought something up uh, a few weeks back, and I, it's, it's kind of amazing too. You heard around that time around spring too, is uh, when it comes to ice jams. Yes. yes. And it seems like, you know, this this year may be a little different when it comes to ice jams, just because it seems like with the river so swollen that any ice jams could. Wouldn't they expand even farther inland than what we normally see with ice jams, or especially when it comes to the Rock River with, with yeah. its twisting and turning yes. and such? Right. <laughs> um, ice jams are um, are awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and kind of creepy too. I mean, yeah, at night. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> they're they're much harder to predict. Uh, sure. That's for sure compared to a normal rise from. Uh, rainfall or, or routing flow water uh, mm -hmm. through through a river system, um, but we do have ways to kind of determine when an ice jam might be more likely to develop. 
but even that, we can say, okay, this is an area, we'll use the Rock River, for instance, um, because it is very prone to ice jamming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, well, we are in a time period where it looks like it's very possible for them to develop, but determining exactly where it's going to be, right. is it going to develop downstream of the 74 bridge? Is it going to develop, uh, you know, further upstream mm-hmm. up towards Joslin? Where is it going to, where is it going to develop? Um, is, is almost impossible yeah. to, uh, to forecast. So, um, so we rely on, on, people to be out there mm-hmm. and, and be our eyes and let us know what they're seeing. Um, that being said, uh, for ice jam potential this year, uh, number one, you need ice in the river, uh, which we haven't really had much uh, up till this point because it's been warm. However, I did see some uh, some ice in the Mississippi on my way over here today. Oh, so, <laughs> um, so it's starting, it's starting. Um, and, and there, there's certain things we look for, um, and, and each river is a little different on uh, the exact numbers or that, that we look at, but uh, we look at the amount of time uh, the temperature is consistently uh, below freezing, mm-hmm. um, as uh, that will help the water cool to a near freezing um, mm-hmm. temperature, which you need, obviously, to, to make ice. Um, and then the flows of the river are, are very um, essential to uh, determine when you're going to get ice to, to form um, and what kind of ice you're going to get forming on the river. So uh, low flows like you normally see this time of year, you'll just get you know the, the river to just ice over and you get a nice pretty sheet of ice on the mm-hmm. top of it. Um, but when you have a little higher flows, kind of what we're seeing right now on the Rock River, um, it's kind of the, the perfect uh, recipe to get uh, what we call frazzle ice, which is kind of more jagged type ice to develop in the river. And when you get a lot of that to form, that's when you might get uh, what we call a, a freeze up jam on a river. And um, those aren't as common, um, but they happen. And I was looking before coming out here today, and, and we're kind of next week looking like we're maybe getting into that kind of perfect scenario that yeah. it could that it could happen. Um, so stay so tuned. Not, so stay yes. tuned, exactly. Um, and then, you know, later, if you have an ice-covered river, and uh, the other thing we look at is, you know, when you're coming out of winter, like into the spring, getting those ice jams, mm-hmm. um, if you have like the full the full river sheeted over in ice, uh, getting heavy rain or really uh, fast warm up might cause that ice to break up and yes. start moving downstream, and that's when it will get stuck on whatever it might get stuck on to cause a jam. So, um, as of today, there's no ice. So uh, right now good, yeah. we're okay, but <laughs> I think things will change uh, here in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I'm glad that James brought up the the twisting and the curviness of the of the Rock River, especially. And it, it just kind of just made me a little bit curious, you know, with the elevated river levels, when the ice does form, does that give it kind of more land to grab on and maybe get caught on something as it normally would with like a lower flow that we would typically see? And this does time increase of year. property damage too. Yeah. Sure. I mean, at any time that the levels are a little higher, that's going to change things a little bit. Um, 
and and yeah, you're you're gonna get more more ice uh, area. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, just like you guys are saying. So, um, yeah, that's something to to think about and uh, watch for as we as we go over the next couple of weeks and see how how the ice kind of forms on the river. And, and another thing with the Rock River is uh, there's perfect. It's like the perfect uh, elevation change mm-hmm. is why it's so prone to I ice see. jams. Um, it's fairly, um, it's got a fairly low change of elevation as you get towards the lower end and, and stuff. So, um, you're not be so curious because the problem, you know, um, I mean, I mean, Andrew, you were, you grew up in the Sterling Rock Falls yes. and all, and I don't know if, have you ever experienced some of the ice jams in the past while, while living there and like. Being awe or oh, absolutely! I've got an aunt that lives right on the right on the river. That's right, just between Sterling and Dixon, and and that's I'm constantly being asked, you know, oh my gosh, the ice is on the river. When's it going to go out and and things like that? And yeah, I remember the ice jams last year near Prophetstown in Linden. They were awful. Um, Oh, the aerial uh, view from that was just amazing to see. Yeah, and I I find it's it's amazing how resilient folks that live on the Rock River are, and they're they're troopers. Yeah. Um, you know, they deal with it and, and move on to the next day. And um, it's amazing to me I, how, how good they are about it's, dealing it's, with it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, too. Like, we can't help but, you know, certainly during the spring flooding that we look at the, um, when we go to your webpage and we look at the river gauges and all of a sudden we see this drop. Right. I'm like, whoa. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, then all of a sudden your note comes out. Yeah. Uh, about uh, the beware about an ice jam developing and uh, people downstream to get ready, or I should say upstream, I should say, sure. uh, for the uh, for some quick flooding to take place. Yeah, I mean, we look for those indicators on on the, the gauges, but uh, the challenge of that is you only have so many gauges along, that's along right. the rivers. Is so, that something maybe that um, could be that's, that's talked about, maybe putting more gauges on? Uh, on the rivers and creeks, you know, even the mighty Mississippi too. I think there's always talk about that and sure. people wanting to put more gauges on. Uh, it, it comes down to uh, uh, a funding source of, okay. of, of putting course. them in yeah. and um, who's uh, going to fund a particular gauge and put it in. So um, we'll take more data any day. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, any more data we can get helps us to. Uh, monitor what's going on on the river because yeah you have a big area in between gauges and while each gauge might be okay um, you might have problems in between and where it might take a little bit of time for the impact of that ice jam to reach one of the gauges for us to see uh, that hey there's something weird going on maybe we Mm -hmm. should check it out so um, so we've been very uh, forthcoming about telling folks that live along the rivers to contact us if they ever see ice jams developing uh, because it is so hard to right. predict and especially the location i think uh, it was last year the year before we had one that developed just downstream of the moline gauge right oh, yeah. uh, on yeah. the rock river and where the gauge was reading okay we had or it was yeah developed yeah so we had High river levels just upstream, right? Yeah. And um, gauge was okay because it we hadn't saw the the falling trend yet from it not allowing all that water to get through. But upstream there were homes that were being uh, 
inundated and mm -hmm. roads inundated with water and, and whatnot. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's uh, always fun. <laughs> Every day is different. It, it's kind say, of funny. I have never had two days in my career that have been the same. Kind of with our job. I think you guys are probably pretty familiar. It is kind of funny because it's like when it comes to severe weather, and you agree with this, is the fact that uh, we all agree with this, is the fact that, you know, we well, there's only so much we can see on the radar. Right. And it's kind of like in your situation, yeah, we see the river, we see, but we just need more eyes out there. Exactly. And I think if we had those eyes out there, it would certainly make our jobs a whole oh, lot so easier, I would easier. say. Yes. Because you're you're in that now casting kind of yeah. pattern, would you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so when people, social media has helped be able to, people send pictures. Yes. Uh, so when they're describing something, they'll just say, hey, I'll send you a picture. Mm -hmm. And like, perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. That helps so much to be able to see what they're seeing. Um, you know, or sometimes the, a description is, is fine. Um, but yeah, being able to visualize it and actually see what they're seeing uh, helps so much. So, um, you know, so we're, we're uh, happy to take um, information from anyone. Real quick, <laughs> when's the next spring flooding update? That will. Uh, I knew she's going to go to her paper. <laughs> I, know, I can't remember the dates offhand. Break out the calendar. Um, That's right. <laughs> so our official outlook comes out uh, the first one on February 13th. So that's when okay. we'll give uh, the actual probabilities of reaching particular levels at each uh, river gauge that we forecast for. Uh, we will have another kind of quick update type uh, thing that we've been putting out uh, with the monthly update uh, early February. Um, so a few weeks before the official one comes out, um, just kind of updating on what conditions are like, what things have changed over the last month. Uh, so that'll that'll come out here probably I think the third of February, but uh, official first date is February thirteenth, and we'll have subsequent updates. One will be February twenty seventh, and then the third one March twelfth, and then whatever information we need to continue passing along after that. Crossing my fingers, <laughs> it's done, and we'll be all good to go. We'll um, be marking that on our calendar. Yes, <laughs> I know it's already days. online. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, Jessica Brooks, again, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode here. A, a big topic I think we're going to be talking a lot about uh, in the weeks ahead. Sounds great. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for all of your hard work. Can't, I, gotta, I can't give you guys enough praise over all of the information you gave us as meteorologists last year. All of the numbers, the number crunching you do, it was extremely helpful. And I think we're still learning, too. We are. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're all learning together. Oh, yes. yeah. And I know so. that will continue even in the year ahead. So we're, we're looking forward to that for sure. Thank you again so much for joining us this, today. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Head in the Clouds. Thanks for listening. And, and also a big thanks for James for stepping in on this one as well. <laughs> Don't forget, you can always check out WQAD.com to see what we're tracking in the world of weather. 